All right, cool. How's everybody doing? Saw some of you had a kind of a rough day or a rough week. I've had a busy day. It's probably just because I took an extra day off because I, I was out of town on my 15-year wedding anniversary last Friday, and so I had to take an extra day off this week to make up the difference, which I didn't mind. And I really enjoyed spending time with my wife. And But today, man, it was like I had – where are all those emails come from? I had a bunch of calls to return, and so anyway, busy day. Still didn't get everything done. So, and I've had a bit of bit of gas today, yeah, a little bloated. So, just keeping it real on the belt line. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm just harassing you. Um, all right, here's the deal. That's what we're gonna do tonight. This is Family Month at Harvest Church. You're a part of Harvest Church. You're part of the family. And so we're going to talk about family kind of stuff. And I thought what would be appropriate to talk to you guys about, not so much parenting, because not very many of you have kids yet. I mean, a few of you do, and those of you who do usually come to hear those kind of talks anyway at other times. So I thought the most appropriate thing to talk about tonight would be, and for the next couple of weeks, would be how to pick a mate. Because, face it, whether you admit it or not, it's something that's on your mind, unless, of course, you're in the minority that's in here tonight. You've already done that. You've already chosen one. So, and boy, aren't you glad? I mean, a lot of that stuff. I, so many times I get around a big crowd of young adults or, or even teenagers. They're the worst. And I just go, thank God I'm not single anymore. Now, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make all you single folk feel bad. In fact, I'm here just to, to do the opposite. Tonight is a pastoral kind of night. All right. Because how many know that we all love to? And, and those of you who know me well know that I love to get drunk with the re- just with the best of them. Uh, you know, I love. To, I'm talking about in the Holy Ghost. I love to. Um, I have been spotted in a few bars lately, but I wasn't drinking. Was I have witnesses? I have witnesses. So anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I love all that stuff, and I love to float around the room and and um, you know give out prophecies and words of knowledge and receive them and you know whatever God wants to. I love all that, but sometimes we just need some good old pastoring, right? Sorry, I was getting a text message. So tonight I'm going to speak primarily to the ladies. Now, guys, don't fret because you're going to get a lot out of this because I'm going to talk about how to pick a good man. I want to talk about how to hit the jackpot, and either next Friday night or the next. I might have to get with you on that, Robert, but either next Friday night or the next Friday night, my wife's going to come, and she's going to talk about how to hit the jill pot. So we're going to talk about the jackpot and the jill pot. We're going to talk about how to pick a good man, then she's going to talk about how to pick a good woman, all right? So even though I'm speaking to the ladies, guys, all you have to do is the stuff on the list I'm going to share tonight. I mean, that's how simple can you get. But before I get too deep into it, I just thought I'd share something that uh, would be kind of a little icebreaker, a little crowd breaker. Um, I want to try a joke out. I don't know if it's going to work good or not, so uh, I want to try it out on Sunday morning. So I thought I would just test it, and you guys could give me some honest feedback. And I suppose this is based on a true story. Once in a, in a church, um, it, it was a smaller church, you know, only about 80, 90 people, and, and um, all of a sudden on a Sunday morning before they got started real good, um, Lucifer, the devil himself, just poof, he appeared in this church service. And, uh, I mean, I don't guess these people knew their authority in Christ because people started clamoring and running. There was a stampede. They were trying to see how fast they could get out of the building. And they were so afraid and so scared. And everybody ran except for this one old man sitting on, like, the second row, and he just sat there calmly. 
And so finally everybody was gone except him and Lucifer kind of uh, hovered over to him and he goes, don't you know who I am? He goes, yep. He goes, don't you fear me? Nope. Don't you know that I can cast your soul into eternal damnation? Yep. Don't you know that I can inflict such pain and punishment on you? That you'll never have another day of comfort so as long as you live. Yep. Then why aren't you afraid of me? I've been married to your sister for 48 years, but I should be afraid of you. You liked it? It's all right. All right. I'm kind of working out the kinks, but... I, wa- I recorded, TiVo this thing several weeks ago, and I finally got around to watching it last night. It's called The History of the Joke. Anybody see that? It was on the History Channel, obviously, and, um, and they had Char- uh, George Carlin and Robert, uh, Robin Williams, and, and it was on regular kind of TV, so they had to bleep a bunch of stuff out. But uh, I, I love humor, and I, I love that kind of stuff, and they were trying to find the world's greatest joke, but they didn't that night. I'll just tell you that. For sure. They tried, but they didn't. Um, All right, check this out. Um, Girls, six things to consider before you say, I do. Okay? Are you ready, ladies? Are we recording this by any chance? Okay, good. Because I I foresee this being a bestseller amongst the saturate crowd. All right, number one, watch him drive in heavy traffic. Watch him drive in heavy traffic. We won't ask why you're laughing, but we'll just go on to number two. Number two, watch him play t- or, or play tennis with him. Play tennis or a sport. Ping pong would probably suffice. Tennis might be better. Say so why? Well, go play tennis and you'll see. Number three, listen to him talk to his mom when he doesn't know you're listening. Okay, number four. All right. Um, how does he treat others, uh, like waitresses and that sort of thing? Great clue to how you're going to be treated when the love wears off. Number five, what's he willing to spend his money on? That's a good one into Miss Deborah. What's he willing to spend his money on? And number six, who are his friends? Who are his friends? Some good practical stuff there. All right. Keegan, did you, you write all that down? <laughs> you done all that? All right, good. You play tennis with him. You play tennis. <laughs> Have you played tennis together? Okay. It's got to be tennis. It's got to be tennis. I know, but for you, it's tennis. <laughs> We're playing tennis tomorrow, she said. <laughs> You're a very funny girl. All right. Break out the Wii. Yeah, really. How many of you played that? I was sore for like three days. I'm like, why am I sore in weird places? It was the Wii. All right. Let's see. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians. How many, how many are single? Just wave at me. You're single. Wave at me. Come on. Wave it. Do it like you mean it. Wave your hands. You've never been married. That's right. You are not happily married. Okay, never mind. How many of you are not married? See, I, that could get out of hand there. That I didn't think about that. You wouldn't think about that if you weren't married. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. 9 and 10. We're going to read it. It says, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. 
who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. All right. Now, when they're suffering in history, All right, sorry about that. Um, when there's ever been suffering in history, women generally get the short end of the stick. They usually suffer worse, historically, than, than men do. Now, I, know I don't like that either, but it's just uh, kind of true. But if you have a poor self-esteem, girls, ladies, you're only going to dig the hole deeper and make it worse for yourself. It's true. It is true. And so instead of somebody looking at you and going, oh, that dear one needs some help, you will probably suffer further abuse and just get trampled on. That's uh, true. So what I want to talk to you about is three things. And the first one is fortify your self-esteem. Fortify your self-esteem. This is so important. Lower self, Lower self-esteem is a guarantee that you'll be treated poorly for the rest of your life. And if you're taking notes, man, you want to jot that one down. I don't care if you're male or female. Low self-esteem is a guarantee that you'll be treated like dirt for the rest of your life. So, and you'll not overcome the negative forces that have been designed to destroy your life in this world by being militant or being, uh, you know, uh, resistant or defiant but let me tell you how you can overcome the negative forces in this world that were designed and unleashed against you to d destroy your life. That is through your relationship with Christ, being a follower of Jesus. Not by being a, you know, women's liver. Not by, you know... Believing the lie that all men are dirt, though I guess technically we are. <laughs> but, you know, or all men are jerks, and that's not true. Just most of them are, not all of them. Not, no, I'm just, I'm not, I don't mean to mail bash, because um, that's not true. How many know that there's some great men on the planet, some great men of God on the planet? And if they're not a great man, they probably aren't a man of God, they're just a man. Right? So, um, you got to have uh, a right kind of self-image if, um, if you're going to be successful in life. And if you're going to have any hope of choosing a good, godly mate, you're going to have to have a positive, strong self-esteem. All right? Some girls grow up with a reassuring um, father who encourages them, who loves on them. And, uh, and so, they have a better chance of choosing a good mate that's going to have a, they're going to have a long-term love affair with over many many decades and then there's other girls that they weren't treated right by the father maybe they didn't have a father know who their father was i'm just talking statistics here and they are going to gravitate to the first male that shows them any kind of attention the problem with that is is that it can turn negative really quick but it doesn't matter as long as it's attention so, how do you overcome that if you didn't have, you know, a positive relationship with your father? Again, through being a Christ follower and through your relationship with God. Like the scripture that we read to you, it says that you are complete in him. In, in where? In who? In him. So, I want to point something out to you. 
And this is, this is very interesting to me. All right? If you don't have a good self-esteem, you're going to make bad choices in life. Male or female, low self-esteem, bad choices. Right? Period. Now, fortify your self-esteem. God made the animals in pairs. He made man all by himself. There's a reason for that, I believe. Now, I know the Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone, okay? So, I, marriage is God's idea. I believe in 99% of, of all people, 99.9% of people, it's God's will for them to be married. There are a few, very few, it's not God's desire for, for them to be married. because They don't desire to be married. They can see themselves being single and complete for the rest of their lives, and they have absolutely no um, sex drive. That's one clue. I remember at Bible college, um, I, I, I didn't date, like, from age 15. I didn't go out with girls until, um, uh, oh, gosh, until I was, like, 20-something years old, and I started dating my soon my wife-to-be. And uh, I remember one guy at college, Bible college, he said, he said, so, Kevin, you know, gosh, man, you don't go out with girls and stuff. You must have a Pauline anointing, Pauline calling on your life. I'm like, Paul, he didn't have a wife. And I said, brother, if I have a Pauline, Pauline anointing, it's because her name is Pauline. That is not a calling that I have. So if you've got that calling, you just know it. There's no doubt. All right? And I, if I was a betting man, I'm not. If I was, I'd bet there ain't nobody in here that's got that anointing or that calling. Okay? So God made man alone. And the reason for that, I believe, is because he wanted to make a point. And that point is, is that man can stand secure and he can stand alone. And he can stand confident in his relationship with God alone, period. And if you don't have that down, nothing else is going to work for you. Can I get an amen in the house tonight? Come on, somebody. Right? So, ladies and gentlemen, check up on that right there. And if you're in a relationship and they don't have a relationship with God, then you need to, cut, you need to get the axe out and you need to put the axe to the root. Yeah, but I'm going to pray him in the kingdom. Bull crap. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. If he doesn't have a relationship with God, now let me just clarify that. That doesn't mean that since he met you, oh, all of a sudden I'm interested in God. Oh, yeah, yeah, girl, I'll come to church with you. Yeah, he wasn't coming to church until we started going out. Or I told him if he'd come to church, I'd go out with him. That's not good enough. It just isn't. How do you know if he has a relationship with God? If he says things like, you know, I was, I was reading the Bible the other day, and God just spoke to me out of Ephesians and he's, and about something in my life. Or, or I was praying the other day, and, and you know, and, and he, ta- he speaks about God in relational terms. That's how you know. And if he doesn't, he's a con artist. And he's just trying to get in your britches. And you don't know what I mean. Meet me out of service, and Robert and I'll explain it to you. Okay. So this is foundational, all right? This is foundational. All right. You can be complete if you have a relationship with God alone. 
That's the foundation, as a matter of fact, to any and all successful relationships. Isn't that right? You can't have any successful relationship without a relationship with God. You can't have a, sex, a successful relationship at work or with your, with your mate or with uh, uh, a friend. You cannot have a meaningful, successful relationship with anybody on the planet long term without a genuine relationship with God. Now, how I many know we could teach for hours just on how to have a relationship with God and having one and inspiring you to have one? And Robert will do that later. But you've got to have one. And if he doesn't have one, girls, stop wasting your time and stop putting your own heart and emotions and maybe even life at risk. Right? Hookie dokie. All right? You've got to define and discover your self-esteem in Christ. You define it in him, you discover it in him, you have self-esteem from him. I don't care if you never knew your dad or if he beat you with an extension cord or tied you up with it and locked you in the closet for three days or if you had the greatest dad on the planet like Bray. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. You still have to have that relationship with God. It's foundational. That is, you have to discover who you are in Him. And, um, and, and here's the deal, is many people are afraid to face life and to face reality, period. And so what they do, and, and you've, you've all either been this person like I was, or you've met this person, they can't face reality, so they have to wrap themselves up in something, uh, whether it's a substance, whether it's heroin or cocaine or crack or alcohol or, or a fast car. You ever met the guy who his whole identity was in his car? Hey, baby. <clears throat> I'm going to go for a ride. Dude, that thing doesn't even have airbags. It's so old. So, I mean, you've got to have your identity in Christ, and if he doesn't have his identity in Christ, and let me just say this, most young men, Christian or non-Christian, most of them are still working it out when it comes to the area of security. Men deal with insecurity usually more than women do, but it's because our number one need is respect. Women's number one need is love. It says, husbands, love your wives, because that's what they need. But it says, wives, respect your husbands, because that's what we need. In fact, my wife's going to speak this coming Sunday morning, and, uh, man, it's going to be good. She's going to talk about the love that she, uh, the love she needs and the respect he requires or something like that. She's going to talk about, you know, having a culture of honor and respect inside your own family. And she's going to talk about uh, some respect things, and she's got a few stories that I'm not going to let her share. I'm like, that's ah, got to come out of the notes. You can't share that one. So she's negotiating right now. We're in the negotiation process. So come Sunday morning to see which stories make it. So, but, you know, you, you got to have your identity in Christ. Again, Colossians 2.10. If we had a memory verse tonight, that would be it. You are complete in him, not in the sports car, not in the Harley, not in the alcohol, not in the clubbing, not in the whatever. You're complete in him. And if he's not in him, and if he's deriving his, his uh, 
identity from something other than Christ, run, run, baby, run. All right? It's good pastoring, PK. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm trying really hard. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. When you get there, say, uh-huh. I'm not there yet. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So what you desire the most, you spend time seeking. Isn't that true? You will never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. Pursuit is the proof of desire. Let me say that right. Pursuit is the proof of desire. You will never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. That's why people say, oh, I just love God with all my heart, but they won't spend five minutes with him. I just don't believe them. Or people who say, yeah, I just want God to have total dominion over my whole life, man. Are you a tither? Oh, no, I don't believe in that. You just want a convenience religion. So what you are unwilling to pursue, you will never possess. But the truth of the matter is, if you are spending T-I-M-E with God, then that's then you are seeking him, you're pursuing him. He says here, he says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So we express our desire for God and his power in the time that we spend with him. So, the same thing applies to whoever you might be courting. I don't believe in dating, by the way. Dating is not in the Bible. You're either courting for marriage or you're building a friendship. And this dating stuff is secular and carnal and the world made it up. So it's kind of like, here's my philosophy. This went over really great when I was a youth pastor. I almost got stoned and burned at the stake it, by some parents, too. Yeah. And anyway... But here's my philosophy on, on dating. Um, if you're not hungry, don't go to McDonald's. If you're not sleepy, don't put your pajamas on. And if you're not ready to get married, don't date. There you go. There's my philosophy. It's pretty good, isn't it? I actually had, yeah, I had an angry parent that came and demanded a meeting with me and raked me over the coals and then met with the pastor and cursed my name to him and and uh and met, but today those parents kids are um both got pregnant or got someone pregnant out of wedlock and are either divorced or um on their second whatever and but see wisdom when wisdom speaks even if it comes out of a 23 year old long-haired hippie looking guy you just, you listen. That's not me. That used to be me. <laughs> long, long time ago. Colossians 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So what is his mindset on? Does he spend time with God? And it says in verse 3, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. In verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So does he or does he not spend time with God? 
If you want a healthy self-image, you have to derive that self-image from Christ. You have to spend time with God. If you're, if you ladies are going to have a positive self-image, ladies, you may be looking for what you lack in a relationship, but you'll never find it. You'll never find what you lack inside of you in some other human being. It's not going to happen. Jesus is the great equalizer. He's the one that will supply all your need. All your need. All your need. Yep. (laughs) Your ability to see yourself in Christ will determine what you allow to control you. Well, that's a good statement. Your ability to see yourself in Christ will determine what you allow to control you. There are some things that will never control me because I see myself in Christ Jesus. And he is not a victim. He's a victor. He's not overcome. He's an overcomer. And he's made me more than a conqueror. So don't let my past control me. I don't let anybody else, I don't let any other person control me. That doesn't mean I don't have checks and balances and people in authority in my life, but nobody controls me. The Lord controls me. And sometimes I control myself. Sometimes I don't want him to be the Lord in that area. I just do what my own thing. And that's where that whole lordship struggle comes in, which is a whole other subject for a whole other time. All right. You will be treated the way you see yourself. You'll be treated by others the way you see yourself. Let me give you an example. Um, I used to be the junior high youth pastor at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Pastor Willie George. At that time, we were a church of about 4,500 people or so. Probably had 400 kids in the youth group. And in the early days, and if you don't know who Willie George is, he really pioneered what we consider to be, or helped pioneer, modern-day children's ministry. So he just believed in children's ministry, and so he would take these speaking engagements to go train children's workers at churches. He would spend all weekend. He would preach sometimes 12, sometimes 13 times in a weekend. And then, you know, They'd give him an honorarium check and say, man, we wish it could be more. And he'd look at it, and it was $280, and his airfare was 260 He thought, man, I made 20 bucks." And so he thought, I'm going to change the way people see me. If they call me and want me to come train their children's workers, I'm going to say, yes, here is the package. Here's what it cost. And it wasn't going to be exorbitant. It was going to be a win-win. It was going to be reasonable, but I can't just go for 20 bucks anymore. Some folks didn't call him back. Some folks called him over and over and over again. It's amazing. You make somebody pay a, a, a $15, $20, registration fee, guess what? They're more likely to show up and value what's being said. We have Bible schools in India. We're about to start another one in Kathmandu, Nepal. And um, we, one of the poorest countries in the world, but we charge a tuition fee. Now, it costs, if you're interested, it costs $333 to train one Indian national church planner. $333 is what it costs to train one. And we usually train about 50 of them at a a time. Man, the text messages are just going crazy tonight. 
Start where you are in mid-sentence. Who sent me that? It was good. Please save your notes. Oh, okay. I don't know who sent me that. They know what I'm teaching them. They're not here tonight. Um, but $333. We charge, we, we have them pay, um, about a thousand rupees, which equals out to what? 25 bucks at the most, something like that. Some of them can't even afford that. But they say we can't afford anything. We say then you have to at least, um, uh, you have to pay your way to get to the school. We'll pay your way home after it's over, 18 weeks. But you have to pay your way to get to the school, and you have to give us at least 100 rupees, which is $2.50 minimum. Why? You have to pay something. Otherwise, they won't value it. They'll just come and say, hey, feed me free food and give me shelter, and they'll end up being a uh, leech. And we'll have to run them off anyway, eventually. Because they have conduct problems, they won't submit to authority. And but if they if they invest something, okay. So the way you see yourself determines how you get treated by others, right? When they get there, when they pay their way to that Bible school, and they had to fork out two dollars and fifty cents, which is big money to some of them, they say, you know what? Bless God, I did whatever I had to do. I've sold. I, I picked rice in a field for a week to raise the money to get here and to pay my way in. Man, I'm I'm taking this seriously. I had to buy my own paper to take notes. This is for real. So the way you see yourself determines the way you'll be treated. So you have to fortify your self-esteem. All right. Anybody get anything out of this? All right. Um. Let's see. Define how you are going to be treated. I don't know why I'm stuck on this point. Define how you're going to be treated. I mean, which might include you saying, uh-uh, I don't think so. You ain't treating me like that. No, don't talk to me like that. Right? I mean, not that. Uh, now, listen. Nobody's perfect. I I, I have a friend who uh, we went to the same Bible college together. Uh, well, not together at different times. And he was in love with this girl, and she got mad one time. Not at him. She just got angry, upset about something. Beautiful girl, loved God. She was she was a phenomenal girl. She got upset about something one time, and she accidentally let a cuss word slip out. And he went, "Oh my gosh, I I can't I can't be with somebody. I can't marry somebody that cusses." And he broke up with her. He ended up marrying somebody else that he wished he hadn't married and ended up getting divorced three kids later. And he told me one time, he says, Kevin, I wish I would have married the girl who cussed. It wasn't like she went around cussing like a sailor. She just let one slip, you know. Who hadn't done that? Okay, so nobody's going to be perfect. However, you can tell... If somebody has a habit or a character, right? You can you can tell a lot about somebody's character. We're going to get to that in just a second. All right, so fortify your self-esteem. That's point number one. Do I have another point? And guess what? In life, you don't always get treated the way you want to get treated. You ever notice that? But you do yourself no favors by just letting people run over you. Right? Okay. I'm just still stuck on this point. All right. 
Uh, all right, another example. I'll get to the point number two in just a second, I promise. Marriage counseling. All right, I've done a pretty fair share of that in the last 18 years, especially since I've been a pastor. Marriage counseling. I mean, I've only been a pastor in here five and a half years. First couple of times, couple comes in. And now the first six months or more that I was the pastor here, I taught on family and marriage. Felt led to do that. Pastor, we need to come see you. We need marriage counseling. All right, come on, man. I'm the new pastor. I want to help you. They come. They sit down. They start telling me their problems. They start fighting right in front of me and different stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, you know, Wednesday night, I was just teaching on such and such regarding marriage and family and relationships and communication and how to not manipulate in your communication. To have honor. Do, Were you here Wednesday night? Oh, no, Pastor. We don't come to church on Wednesday night. This is a true story. We don't come to happen right here. We don't come to church on Wednesday nights. Is that right? Well, guess what? I don't do counseling on Thursdays. I just remembered. I have nothing further to say to you. Goodbye. What? Yeah, until you start coming to church on Wednesday nights, I don't have time to counsel you. See ya. But we're going to get a divorce. Probably. Yeah, y'all are pretty screwed up. Um, but uh, part of that's part of the reason for that's because you don't come to church on Wednesday nights. And the pastor's teaching on family and marriage. So you have to change the way people see you. So now, when people call for marriage counseling, first question is, have you been coming to church regularly? Because I mean, that would help your marriage. We all agree on that? Yes, we have. Awesome. Um, here, Pastor has a, a CD series on marriage that he wants you to listen to. Take notes, copious notes, and after you listen to that marriage um, series, then if you still need counseling, he will meet with you. Man, I have saved myself hours of counseling. Because guess what? 50% of the people... The ones that really want help, they'll listen to it, and they're calling the next week. We listen to the CDs, and here, here we are. We need help. The other 50%, go, I'm not going to do that. I got, he wants me to buy a $20 CD series out of the bookstore? Nah, I'm not going to do that. Well, guess what, dude? If your marriage isn't worth whatever it is, 25 bucks, then if it's not worth that much to you, why should it be worth that much to me? I mean, if I was a therapist, I'd charge $108 an hour. So instead of listening to $30 or $25, it keeps going up, the $100. So instead of listening to the $25 CD series, go hire a therapist for $108 an hour. And they'll do that. You know why? Well, they're really going to cost me money, man. I'm going to take this seriously. So ladies, change the way you see yourself and change the way other people treat you by defining this is how I'm going to be treated. Are you listening? All right. Because guess what? The Word of God is what changes lives, ultimately. So if he's not in the Word, his life isn't getting changed. And if people aren't coming to church and hearing the Word of God, their life isn't being changed. Oh, I can get in the Word of God and not come to church. True. But statistics show that you probably won't. So, there you go. 
No relationship can thrive when one party runs over the other one. We agree with that. And your self-image determines how you are treated. You don't have to be angry, just insistent. No, 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 see, you're not going to treat me like that. Or um, I remember, I mean, even back just when I was a teenager, you know, in like in middle school, if a girl called my house, my mom would say, I'm sorry, he doesn't take calls from girls. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> See, back in the day, girls didn't call guys. Right? Am I telling the truth? They still shouldn't. No, oh, PK, you're just old school. No, define how you're going to be treated by putting a value on yourself. Don't just be some easy, cheeky, sleazy, cheeky D who, hey, what's up, baby? I'm calling you. Yeah, I'm, I'm after you. Oh, make him do the pursuing. Make him do the chasing. Don't be calling him. And besides, you call him enough, he will get, eh, not interested. It's too easy. I want a little bit of a challenge. That's just a little insight into the male psyche there. It's true. All righty. Ladies, say this. Say, Christ died for me. I am valuable. All right, so number one is fortify your self-esteem. Number two, qualify your mate-to-be. Qualify your mate-to-be. All right? I wouldn't hire a guy just because when we're together, he makes me feel good, you know? And he makes me laugh, so I think I'm going to hire him. No, that would be stupid. But how many women marry men because, I'm so sorry. How many women marry guys because, well, he just makes me feel good. He makes me laugh. Great. But is he qualified to be your man? Let's talk about some of those qualifications. Does he have any skills? I mean, it takes skills to be a man. You got to have man skills. You do. Totally. I think we're six things. All right, you ready? Number one, does he have his own relationship with Christ? Right, we already covered that one. Number two, make sure your beliefs are compatible. Make sure your beliefs are compatible. It's like um, this girl and guy were in the back seat, and dad was driving them to church, and you know they were you know in their late teens, early twenties, and the dad started talking about, man, this church has just really blessed us. It's really meant so much to our family, and they got to church and went to the service. And after the service, the guy in the gallery went out to eat, and finally, when he got her alone, he goes, you know what? I really I really don't believe you have to go to church like your dad's talking about. You don't have to support a local church and be plugged into a local church. Yeah, I think you can be a great Christian just all by yourself, all on your own, you know. And but guess what? They had two totally different beliefs. They weren't spiritually compatible. And so she dumped him. And, and I'm glad she did. That's a true story from the youth pastor in days. Or, or this was this was one that I loved. Um but Pastor Kevin He's a he is a Christian. He just doesn't believe in 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 uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit like we do. Well, then you don't have the same spiritual beliefs, and so until his beliefs change, you need to stop wasting your time. Because guess what? Long after you stop thinking he's so cute, he's still he's still going to persecute you for believing what you believe. 
Oh, that's no big deal. Wait till you have kids. And we'll see how big of a deal it is. Right? So that's important. Make sure you have beliefs that are compatible. Okay? Don't undervalue spiritual compatibility. It's very important. All right? Number three. This is a good one. Does he have a J-O-B? Does he have a job? Not, well, he's had 14 jobs in the past two and a half years. Not a good sign. Oh, he has a long resume. I'm sure he does. Sounds like he's a quitter. Or he can't keep a job. He's not worth having around, one of the two. He's either a quitter or not worth having around. You don't want either one of those to be your husband. All right. This is good stuff, isn't it? Because, um, well, he's an artist, and I'm going to work and support us. And and one day, he's going to... Why are y'all laughing? Do y'all know somebody like this? Yeah. <laughs> and one day, he's going to hit it big. Well, first of all, most artists, their stuff isn't worth anything until after they're dead. And you don't want to wait that long. He might live to be 80. I mean, dear God, you don't support him for that long? Let's look at another verse. Turn to Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24. So, yeah, back to that whole, well, he's had 14 jobs in the last two and a half years. Let's say that he just is a quitter. Um, You know, when you quit something, you short-circuit your reward. When you quit before you're supposed to. Remember in fifth grade, I went for the basketball team because the bas- the assistant football coach was the head basketball coach. And they said, oh, you're smart, you're athletic, you can pick up on basketball in no time. Well, the first, I mean, I never picked up basketball my whole life. The first several weeks, I was miserable. Hey, I wanted to quit. My dad said, coolies don't quit. I said, could I be the first? No, coolies don't quit. You play. Oh, man. I remember... Um, uh, my junior year in high school, I'd played for premier soccer clubs and different things, and I had uh, full-ride scholarships to big universities like, um, uh, oh, it's so big, I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> William Carey, there you go, in Hattiesburg, and I had a half, half. Uh, I, I guess if you don't have a full ride, it's a half ride, right? I had a half ride to Mississippi College playing soccer, and and so I, I was a pretty good soccer player. I was a part of championship teams. My junior year in high school, the soccer coach was a punk. And he was an atheist. And, he, and, I, and I was the loudmouth Christian on campus. And everybody knows. And he just had it in for me. And he just said, I'm not going to play you, Cooley. I'm going to make your life miserable. We'll see if your God can answer your prayer. He did that to me. He benched me. My junior year. God, I wanted to quit so bad. Oh, because guess what practice was? The first thing we did Monday through Friday was we ran five miles, and then we had practice. And I did that to sit on the bench. Oh, I was so mad. Oh, and, and I did pray, but I wasn't, I wasn't praying, let me play. That's not what I was praying. But I wanted to quit so bad. And I didn't even bring it up to my dad because I knew what he would say. He goes, that, that isn't even an option. You started, you're going to finish. Oh, that was the season from hell. 
Hated it. But so this guy of yours, so he's had, you know, a dozen jobs in the last year. Sounds like he's a quitter. And guess what? You don't really start reaping the benefits of marriage until you've been married at least like 15, 20, 30 years or more. There are benefits of long-term love that you cannot ever enjoy until you've been married long-term. I feel so sorry for people that, oh, yeah, we were married three, five years, we got divorced. We were married seven years. I'm like, you quit at seven years? It was just about to get good. Because, I mean, some people hit what, what many uh, marriage counselors and therapists call, and I've only learned about this because I've done a lot of marriage counseling and read a lot of books because I thought, man, how am I going to help these people? You want to just say, you know, be nice. You have a good marriage. Dear God. That's what we do. Be nice. How hard is that? So we've read a bunch of books and stuff, and, and they, they call it the seven-year wall. You know, <laughs> seven years. I don't want to be married to you anymore. Well, guess what? If they quit every little two-bit job because, well, I don't like it, they're a quitter. And guess what? They'll quit on you. Because they got bored, or it's not interesting, or it doesn't pay enough, or how come you won't get fake breasts if I'll pay for them? Come on, baby. You know, whatever. I mean, people get divorced for the stupidest reasons. Believe me, and I've heard, I haven't heard at all, because I'm too young for that, but I've heard a bunch. I've heard a lot. I mean, you sometimes you sit there and you go, I'm sorry, could you say that again? Because I can't believe you just said what I think you just said. You hear some ridiculous stuff. But guess what? Is he a quitter? Or does he have a J-O-B and he's had one for a, for a while? I mean, it's common in America every five years people change jobs stereotypically. So I'm not talking about that. But I think you get the point. I'll keep beating this dead horse. Are you in Proverbs 24 yet? I need somebody to read verse 27 for me real loud. Preferably one of the ladies because it's a ladies' night. Which reminds me, I brought a few pieces of my favorite dark chocolate. Because ladies like chocolate. Most ladies like chocolate. Most ladies. Right, you like chocolate? Right, see, curveball. You don't like chocolate? Anybody else? <laughs> you gotta be a lady, dude. Sorry. You'll have to get out of your chair and get that. You want, you want that, Noel? I don't know where it went. You kind of lose it in the, in, in the dark. Anybody else over here? Ladies, ladies, ladies. Yeah. Keegan? Don't be shy. Bold. There you go. Oh, that was a curveball right there. That was a good one. Anybody else? Oh, over here. That's your mom. Chinese throwing tackle. Anybody else? Anybody else? Ladies? Oh, that was a good shot. Anybody? I'm learning the curve on these things. On the front, anybody? Come on, anybody? I guess. All right. Anybody? I got one more. Any other girls want one? Dude, how did you get chocolate? You got to watch her. You got to watch her. Yeah. Me and her and some other folks were hanging out one night at the... Never mind. Another story for another time. All right. All right, where were we? J-O-B. So you want somebody who's going to be a finisher. Anybody can start something, but can you finish? Can he finish? See, it teaches you to make decisions not based on what you feel, but what is right. 
sticking with something teaches you to make decisions not based on what you feel, but on what is right. Hey, guess what? You want me to tell you how many times I felt like quitting pastoring this church? I can't tell you because I lost count. But you don't quit just because you feel like it. You quit. Uh, you don't quit. You do what's right. You do what God said. But God. You can say whatever you want to, but he does not listen to complaining or stupidity. I've tried both. <laughs> All right. Read that for me, girlfriend. Finish your outdoor work. Finish your outdoor work and, get your and get your field ready. After that, build your house. See, in the Hebrew culture, you couldn't just uh, take your new wife into your, into your bedroom at home. You had to build your own home. It wasn't none of this, I'm going to live with mama until I'm 30 stuff. You had to get your own house. And so here the scripture is saying, in context of the culture, don't, don't even think about building your own house until you got the field, your outside work, until you've mowed the field, until you've reaped a harvest. Until, in other words, until you have a stream of income, until you have a J-O-B, don't even think about building your own house because it ain't going to happen. And in the Hebrew culture, you couldn't even get married until your dad said you can get married. All right, son, you can get married now. Dad, can I get married? You got a job? Yeah. Have you built a house? No. <laughs> Shut up. That was the Hebrew culture. So he says, don't even think about building the house until you get a field. Until you, Because that was the job back then. It was farming. Until you get a job, don't even think about building the house. You get a job. Then you build a house. Then you can get married. Right? So... But before you even think about building your house, prepare the field. Get a career. Because guess what? Kisses and hugs are not the glue that you think it is to your marriage. Especially when the MasterCard bill starts showing up and American Express starts calling. Kisses and hugs just don't quite cut it anymore. <laughs> Marriages are held together not by kisses and hugs. Not by feelings and emotions. Marriages are held together by good decisions. So you might as well make a good one right off the bat before you ever say I do. Right? You know how many opportunities I've had to have an, an affair on my wife? Well, I hadn't counted them, but, and I haven't ever pursued one either. But you can have as many affairs as you want to. But guess what marriages are held together by? Good decisions. Of course, it'll screw up your kids and your marriage, and you'll be miserable and probably catch a disease and lose your job and your ministry and everything else. But you can have one if you want to. I didn't have to come here tonight. I could have went out and got drunk. I could have. Found me in a, you know, side of the road in the morning or in some gutter. I could have done that, but I chose not to. And you make enough good decisions for long enough, they become habits. They become part of your character. If you, if you heard, oh, Pastor Kevin got drunk and, and passed out uh, on the side of the road. You, no, he did not. Why? Because you know me well enough to know last night his character. Now, he might have been preaching the gospel and got knocked out, but he didn't drink and pass out. Because I would never drink that much anyway. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. I don't drink alcohol. Um... So say it with me. Marriages are held together by good decisions. Robert and Deborah, how long have y'all been married? 
Woo, that was good. Pushing the big 3-0, baby, 30 years. That's just, what is the deal with my phone tonight? I thought I had it on silent. 30 years. A couple of rough patches here and there. What got you through it? Good decisions and just not quitting when you might have felt like it, right? Ever feel like quitting? Not you, but she might have. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we all, if you've been married longer than like um, three weeks, you've felt like quitting. Or you've thought, what the heck did I do? But you don't quit. All right. So, number four. Number one is, does he have his own relationship with God? Number two, are your beliefs compatible? Number three, does he have a job? Number four, is he a dreamer or a schemer? Right. Joseph was a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. Dreamers are good things. That's a good thing. Uh, Joseph did not have a childhood dream of being the head slave at Potiphar's house. That was not his dream. But that's where he found himself. So what did he do? Quit? Cry? Try to scheme his way out? Try to escape? No. He became the best doggone slave in the whole house until he was promoted chief slave. He, he held on to his dream, no matter what circumstance he was currently in. Now, you may not be in the circumstance that you've dreamed about, but you keep dreaming and you be faithful where you are. And you want a man who's going to be like that. Baby, this ain't where we're going to be. But we're going to keep on keeping on. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep working. We're going to be faithful where we are, and God's going to promote us. Guess what? Joseph became the chief slave, and then guess what? He got sent to prison. Holy smoke, I do my best. I'm trying to be a good steward, and they put me in jail. So guess what? Did he get down the moly grubs and fall into a deep depression? No. He became the chief prisoner. Got put in charge of the whole jailhouse, man. This ain't the dream I dreamed about, but this is where I am. So I'm gonna, whatever I put my, my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. I'm going to do it diligently. I'm going to do it faithfully. I'm going to be the best at it. And he was exalted. And finally, he became the second in command of the whole nation, of the whole empire of Egypt, the leading nation of the world at that time. So is he a dreamer? Is he a schemer? He was diligent. He worked where he was. So you don't want somebody who's always thinking, you know what, we're going to make millions, baby. I've got this scheme. I've got this idea. And he's always hanging around with these big wigs and these rich people, and they throw him a bone to keep him around. But he's n- Or how about this? We're going to put all of our resources into this. This is the ticket. This is it. I mean, it doesn't, that's what you do in Vegas. That's not what you do in life. And then the next time you think, hey, baby, this is the one. We're gonna put, this is what's going to put us over the top. Gonna, oh, I remember last time you said that. <laughs> so you don't want a schemer. You want a dreamer. You want somebody that's got dreams and goals and vision. Somebody always taking shortcuts and figuring some angle instead of consistently producing is somebody you want to stay away from. Sooner or later, some dude with a consistent income is going to come along and flirt with your girl, you schemer. And she's going to fall in love with him and run off with him. Might not be right, but she's going to get tired of your scheming. And she wants somebody that's got some consistency in their life because women want security. Number five, how does he relate to his family? Is he respectful or is he dominated by them? You know, Ephesians says the two shall become one flesh. Best thing that ever happened to Adrian and I, when we first got married, we moved 500 miles away from any of our family. 
So to be a good husband and a good provider, you have to leave home, boys. You got to get out the house. So if he's breaking dates or radically changing his plans with you to please his mama, then you say, I think more highly of myself than that. I don't have to subject myself to this. Either I'm the woman in your life or your mama is. Choose you this day. Right. Right. I remember one time, uh, Adrian and I were having a spat about something and we were, we were just dating. And actually, I, we were engaged. And, um, and she finally, she looked at me and she said, either I'm a good thing or I'm not. So marry me or leave me alone. I got down on one knee. I said, I like that. Because you know what the, one of the greatest attractions to a man is? A woman with confidence. It's true. It is, man. We like that. I'm not talking about some domineering thing, but I'm talking about a girl with confidence. He said, either I'm a good thing or I'm not. Either marry me or leave me alone. Will you marry me? I was turned on. Ooh, I said, I like that. All right. So, I mean, you might have to tell him, hey, baby, once you decide I'm more important than your mama, give me a call. Hello. Don't interfere with your adult kids. So if mom and dad are always running the life of your soon-to-be husband, you might want to take a second look. One thing I love about my parents and my wife's parents, is they have left us the heck alone. Unless we ask for their advice, they have never given it to us. And sometimes I've been smart enough to ask for it. But if we didn't ask, they didn't say anything. That's just good advice in general. If you see your brother, your sister, I mean, your family that's about to make a stupid decision, unless they ask for your opinion, keep your mouth shut. All righty. This should have been a series, man. I got too much information here. All right. As a pastor, I have no right to enforce my opinions on you, but I have every right to preach the word to you. Now, if you ask me for my opinion, I may or may not choose to give it to you. Um, so an example that comes to mind is a um, football game years ago. I love football. And for whatever dumb reason, I played football at a 5A high school until my junior year. It's probably why I had neck problems in my adult life. Because I thought, I thought I was 190 pounds. Nobody told me I was only 140 pounds. I thought I was a big guy, but I wasn't. But one day, homecoming game. Our team, we beat some other team. It was their homecoming. You know, that's not, that's not supposed to happen. That's not good, right? Yes. <laughs> So they lost their homecoming game. And so and then, so here's the homecoming queen. She's, I mean, she's beautiful, and she had her homecoming dress on, her sparkly eyes, you know. And, and she's this big old football player, must have been her boyfriend, crying his eyes out on her arm because they lost the game. I remember thinking, honey, you want to get as far away from him as possible. So, yeah, really. <laughs> so, uh, so is is he a man? Be a man. Yeah, sure. Nobody likes to lose. 
I've cried when I've lost, but it it wasn't that kind of crying. It was just mad. Not come for me, baby. Hey, come on, man up. So don't pick a man who falls apart in times of trouble. Look for a man who can stand. You cannot draw from your wife what only you can get from God. What's our verse for the night? Colossians 2.10. You are complete in him. Period. All right? Number six. What's his family philosophy? Does he expect you to work when the kids come? Do you agree on discipline, how to discipline kids, how to live your life? Do you see self-sacrifice in him? If not, if he's the center of his universe now, then you or Jesus probably won't ever be the center of his universe. All right? So number one was fortify your self-esteem. Number two is qualify your mate to be. And number three, final point, verify your observations. What do I mean by that? Uh, don't get married after six weeks of going out with him. Because Mr. Wonderful might not be as wonderful as you thought he was. Okay? Um, I mean, if you're the only guy for, for, for 90 days, you haven't verified your observations. You don't know if he is what he says he is. You need to make sure what you're seeing is correct. You need to make sure that what you're seeing is accurate. How do you do that? Time. Time. Everybody say time. Say T-I-M-E. You know, you can do great things for a short period of time with talent. Any guy can smooth you because he's talented and good-looking or whatever, right? But it takes character to go with your talent. That's what's going to help you go far. So, does he cave under pressure? That takes time to figure out. Final example. If I had a 16-foot-long 2x4 and I wanted to see if it was level, I could not get a 12-inch level to see if it was straight. Why? I haven't spanned enough area to get an accurate reading. You cannot get married to some dude after 90 days or even six months and think you know that person. You don't. You don't. But it's love. The Bible says love is patient. So cool you jets, man. If it's God now, it'll be God in, in a year. Okay? All right. Because, girls, this ain't fishing. Oh, I got him hooked. Let me reel him in as fast as I can before he gets away. Some of them you want to get away. All right? They might be a gar. I mean, if you lose him, he probably wasn't worth having anyway, right? All right. So, (laughs) and girls, let me close with this. God wants you to have a good man. But you don't know the man I have to work around. And guess what? It doesn't matter. God wants you to have a good man. Remember, uh, was it um, uh, Isaac? There were no women around. They were all idol worshippers. So Abraham said, we got to find this guy a woman. So they went 500 miles away, found him a woman. God, if God has to go around the world to find you a good man, he'll find you a good man. Faith, patience, right? God knows the longings of your heart, and he has better things in mind for you than you perhaps have in mind for yourself. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every young person here tonight. I thank you for every young adult, Lord. I thank you for every young woman, for every young man. Lord, those that are married, we bless their marriages. We bless their relationships, Father. Breathe on them. Those, especially the young ladies that are looking for a man, Father, may they take some of these things tonight, ponder them in their hearts, and may they, uh, by your spirit and by good counsel and wisdom, make good decisions and choose a godly man so that they can hit the jackpot.
In Jesus' name.